All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. As always, all the links for all the things down in the episode description as well as BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. And I just wanted to say real quick here at the top, if you guys are finding value in this, or if you guys think that somebody else will find value in what we've got going on here, go ahead and share the show. It's the best way that you can help the ministry. And last but certainly not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com So this week, I want to crack into uh, something that has you know, been near and dear to my heart and, um, I, I, I tongue in cheek say for better or for worse, because the, the sussing this out has, um, had its highs and lows, but you know, there's kind of been a theme, if you will, over the last couple of years. Um, I, like many other people had a rough go, my family, my whole, my house had a rough go of it. Um, during 2020 for more than just the obvious. There were a lot of things going on. And I even bring that up to say it was about mm, halfway through 2020. And, you know, I just, it was this question that dawned on, that that, that kind of um, imposed on me. I kind of felt this pulling in my spirit. Do you, do you know me? Yeah, yeah, God, I know you. Do you trust me? Now, okay, I am not the type of person we've talked extensively over the last, you know, several weeks about this whole idea of the bridge too far of personal revelation. I don't believe in personal revelation. I don't believe that, you know, these extra biblical words over your life, over your year. What is the word for your year and all of that? I really think that there's a lot of slippery slopes when you start to get into that sort of thing of making the Bible work for you, right? Now, that's not what we're talking about here. This is like I said, a theme, a tugging of the spirit, a conviction. I'm not quite sure which word to use, but it began this evaluation of that question of, do I actually trust God? And that, like I said, has taken, it has been a roller coaster ride of a variety of different points and different, um, for lack of a better phrase, manifestations of this concept, right? And all along the way, I'm realizing that trust, especially in this context, has layers to it. That building that trust is in in this case 
a same kind of tone to building a trust with building trust with a friend or building trust with a flesh and blood person that is a, prog a progressive thing that is done over time that is done over experience but in order to build that trust the people involved need to engage with one another and put in the time and put in the 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 relationship building principles that create that trust now that last part is probably the extent where the analogy starts to fall apart a little bit when it comes to translating that one for one to the relationship that we have with god but from our standpoint we in we need to step forward and engage him if we really want to understand what it means to trust god and evaluate whether or not we trust god because as we've covered and as the bible talks about if we seek god earnestly he will meet us we can count on that that is gospel right so that's the that's the starting point right of of where where we even begin this conversation of what it means to actually fundamentally trust god and baked into all of this is a conversation that we have to have about faith all right so there's a couple of topics and concepts that i'm gonna have to rapid fire in order to um set the table for what it is that we are going to be talking about now um faith there is a whole side conversation that some of you will be relieved some of you will be disappointed to know that i am not going to touch now is not the time nor the place nor do i personally have the interest in getting into the conversation of Calvinism this or Arminianism that or all of this kind of stuff, predestination, whatever. Not the point, and honestly, such a minor point point in the grand scheme of things, but that's the most amount of opinion about that that I am going to give. That being said, in order to talk about faith, we need to understand where faith comes from, and we need to understand um, kind of where our positioning is in all of this. I know that... Generally speaking, when people talk about if faith is a gift or if it is not, that has a way of eliciting two different uh, experience bases, I guess. Two different mental tracks. Either immediately your brain goes to the predestination, is it this, is it that, is it, maybe it's Maybelline. Um, and the other side kind of goes to this place of and they're not sites. I don't know what better language to use. But because they're not juxtaposed against each other. But there's this other and and this is kind of where where I was raised, right? And what I my first experience to faith was. It's this idea that you have faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. And and in this case, now mind you, we're not giving an actual accurate de definition here, but in this case faith is something that's equated to belief right belief and faith are two different things the bible says to believe and then it says something else about faith they're two different words in the source language but it's this idea that 
you just gotta believe a little bit but in 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 that kind of you know again goes goes in a, a bunch of different directions because you can have something like that manifest into something like prosperity or new agey or whatever you can have something like that manifest into works and law and all of that kind of stuff you can have that manifest into this weird toxic relationship where i didn't have enough faith and so i that tragedy struck right i've i've said this before and i'll say it again we need to extrapolate out what we're saying when we say certain things and so i'm just going to leave that out there if that's a conviction point for anybody just just let that take it to god it's not it's not for me to to evaluate talk to god earnestly about that that being said faith is a gift from god faith is not something that we generate ourselves i'm gonna go through a couple of quick verses mark 11 starting at verse 22 and jesus answered them have faith in god truly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him therefore i tell you whatever you ask in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours well wait a minute I thought, uh, hold on, let's try. Let's track here for for a second. I, I'm using that one in particular because it is so significant in a lot of the ways that this gets taken backwards. So I'm putting it in proper context. So track with me here, if you will. Um, Ephesians, ver, uh, chapter two, starting at verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God that no, that not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 10, 17. So grace comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And last, before we get into the Strong's, Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given... To me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, let's get over into the Strong's to look at this word faith, pistis, right? So for those that are... Tracking along in their Strongs, it's 4102 in the Strongs. Um, Pistis, its definition is faith, faithfulness, usage, faith, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, faithfulness. And there's an entry here written that I want to read. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short... Pistis, for the believer, is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or otherwise confidence, yet involving it. The Lord continuously births faith 
in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. God's preferred will that no man shall perish, i.e. the persuasion of his will. So that's the Reader's Digest conversation on faith. Um, it's it's deeper. There's a lot more conversation. We can have that conversation at another time. But we need to set the parameters of what this looks like by making sure that we have the same definitions and we're working out of the same kind of place. So on to trust. If we look up trust, we see here that it is an action word, right? Batak. Um, it is a word that when you look at its usages, you see this as an active word, right? And so this confidence that we have, this trust that we have in God, this is something that is, like I said at the top, progressive and something that is active and something that requires strengthening in time and all of those kinds of things for us to truly be able to say that we trust God, right? Because it's one thing to sit and to say, yeah, sure, I trust God, you know, in, in a, um, you know, abject kind of way, in a theoretical kind of way. But what about when the rubber meets the road? And I don't just mean that personally. You know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's a very valid conversation to have, but I feel like it's almost one that is only part of the conversation when you say, what happens when the rubber meets the road with your own family or with you or something along those lines? That's part of it, but what does that what does that trust factor do to the way that we view the world and the world around us, right? Because sometimes it's not just a matter of people are evil. But the reality is, is that we live in a fallen world. If you question the existence of evil, then I ask you, have you looked outside? You don't even need to turn on the news. There, we, we know, biblically speaking, that evil exists and that tragedy strikes. Things happen. You know... Uh, I, you guys have heard me say that I don't believe in chance, luck, or coincidence. I just believe in God and statistics. And the reality is, is that statistically speaking, there's a 100% chance that we have carbon-based life forms. And there's a pretty high chance that something, some, something's going to happen along the way. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. And I don't mean to point to paint some kind of weird, you know, um, de depressing picture here about the world that we live in. But we have to take a moment to really 
objectively look at our surroundings and where in all of this fits the effect of our relationship and the trust that we have in God. And that trust piece is something that we can look to God for and that that we put in the time to know him. Again, to go back to faith, we, when we believe, right? It says believe. When we believe, that is, that is envision yourself taking a step forward or entering the story or starting the page or however, however you want to um, envision that. Whatever analogy works for you. And then you go from there and as you walk forward, God will meet you and provide you with divine persuasion to his will. You know, we, we are all subject to the flesh. And so our own fleshly desires are going to say, this is what seems best. This is what I want to do. And God's ways are going to conflict with our ways. And so understanding that his ways are what is best takes persuasion. And and that's the only, the only persuasion that can do that, that can fill that, is God's persuasion. Because if, if you haven't noticed, us as humans, we will absolutely jump through hoops to convince ourselves of a great many things when that's what we want. We will go to great and exhaustive lengths to justify a whole lot of stuff in order to get what we want. And so if if we are if we are choosing to follow something that is not our will, we need as humans to be persuaded as such. And that's where faith comes in. And that confidence that we have is is through time of seeing this play out, of spending time with God, of knowing his character. It, it, again, we go into that academic piece. That's where that a- academic piece comes in. You got to know the God that you're serving. You got to know because then, then you can rejoice and understand that he is good. He is constant and all of those kinds of things. And then eventually, again, you go, you go to the rules of engagement, the playbook, the, the boundary markers, and you get to say, okay, here's, here's the parameter of the playground, right? What's on the other side of that playground? That's not what's best for us. So we get the freedom to not have to worry about going over there, right? We, if we stay, if we play by the boundary markers, then we get to play. Then we get to do, we get to experience, we get to live. And so it, it, we, when we, when we can put our 
trust in the fact that that God is eternal, that God is unchanging, and that win, lose, or draw, God is good. God is with us. God is for us. Win, lose, or draw. Like I said, we ca- we got to make sure that we're not falling into the trap of saying, oh, hey, this worked out. God is good. Well, God would have been good even if it didn't work out. And so we need to make sure that, we, that again, all of the proper framework is there. And, and as it is, then then something that then we get to live this immersive life and we get we get to we get to live abundantly in the presence of god in 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 relationship with god and as we go through this life we will continue to be tested and and tempted and all of those things these things are not going to stop happening. The Bible is specific about that. Just because we're just because we're Christians, just because we follow God, just because we have all of these things as as long as we are subject to the mortal coil, then we will be subjected to the mortal coil. Right? And so we're going to keep getting hammered. Guys, I'm not so I want to be clear about this, right? I, I did a I did a whole marathon stream with Aunt Rico and, and and we we unpacked can can um Christians be possessed. We unpacked all of that kind of stuff. And the thing that kept coming up that I kept coming back to is in, in deliverance ministries. That's part of the, the subject matter for this. It will make a lot more sense of what we were talking about. I'm, I don't believe that there's a demon behind every bush. I just don't. I don't believe that you've got 87 demons that are attached to you about this thing and that thing and all of that kind of stuff. I don't. I think that we have this thing called sin nature that we will be fighting with up until the point where we don't have to fight with it anymore. But, again, the Bible very clearly and articulately yeah, um, says that that there are powers in principalities that there are that there is evil that there is that there is the demonic that there is evil evil things evil spirits that will be um and that that word spirit somebody just lost their mind because that's not really an accurate phrase but again i'm trying to make a point here um it's that that these things do exist and that we have to be aware of that. As Christians, we have to be aware that we are smack dab in the middle of spiritual warfare on a regular basis, on a daily basis, all around us. And we do ourselves a, disjust, a disjustice. We do other Christians a disservice. We do we 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 are we are blinding ourselves purposefully if we do not recognize that and so 
this is this is where that constant nature comes in because as we look at the world around us it is very easy for us to look to something external to solve the problems maybe we look to somebody who is in a figurehead or in power maybe we look to a certain mode of thinking maybe we look to a certain practice man it can even be something good like eating right like like studying like spending time in prayer but any of these things we've talked about it and we don't need to keep talking about it how many different ways that these things can be can be manipulated and to be turned into the thing and losing sight of god being the thing and and we because as as humans fun facts for those of you that have ever worked out, you know how when you're working out and you get that first set and you do, 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 you, you bang it out, right? You get that second set. Ah, okay. You're still, we're good. We're good. Third, whatever, fourth, whatever, however many. But you then start to realize, oh, wait, your your body's starting to put a lot of a lot of body English into it, right? right? Like your body's putting a lot of body language into getting this weight up and form starts to break down. That's actually, there's actually a scientific reason behind that. It's because the brain is wired to, for, for uh, preservation instinct. Your body recognizes that the activity that you're doing is bringing strain and wear and breaking down your muscles. And so the brain kicks in and says, whoa, this is doing us harm. Let's go ahead and, and, and enact other, other motions into it, right? And so the, we, we know, and that's just one example, but the brain is, sub, is wired to find something to preserve it from the danger. And unfortunately, that manifests sometimes in us clinging to things that are not God. I know for me, I can, I can point to different points in my life where I have so, I, I, I may have started with the best of intentions. We know what those are good for. And, and we, and, and ended up in a spot where what I didn't mean to be the thing became the thing. And what I thought was just serving me looking at the right thing was the thing. And so, and, and I think that that's a, that's a uniquely human issue. I, we, we can look at, we can look at history. We can look at present day. We can look all around us. We can look at ourselves. And, and I don't think it's, it's, it's very hard if we're being honest with ourselves as humans, even humans that get this, because this is different. This is not just, Oh, Hey, you need to get this and then you're good. No, no, you can get this and still fall into that problem. I was just having a conversation with a couple of guys recently about that. Right? We throw it, we, we, we use the colloquialism of drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, is it the most tactful? No. Um, for those of you that are um, familiar with American cult history, you understand where that came from. But um, we, uh, it, it's the, there's there's this instinct for us to become in this this 
um, habit that we fall into of becoming nose blind to our own to our own stuff, right? And so we can be walking and then end up maybe we heard somebody say something catchy and we were like yeah that's cool awesome and we add that we add that into our repertoire and we keep adding and then eventually we end up with something that we never intended to start off with again active so so as we are getting beat by this life as we are getting beat up as we are walking through and we're taking our licks and we've got the bumps and we've got the bruises and this stuff doesn't stop and we come face to face with spiritual warfare and all of these things coming on, coming into us, what does that do to our heart? What does that do to how we deal with people? What does that do with the stance that we take towards this world? There are two guys, same two guys I referenced before, that one of the biggest things that drew me to working with them is they said something very simple that cut to the bone. There's stuff that we can be doing outside of just sitting here watching the world burn. And I I, I know for me, when I heard that, I very specifically was coming from a place of wa having watched the last couple of years going through our own stuff going through my wife being sick going through stuff that wasn't even related to the global theater of what was going on and I I had this thought of what just uh, come Jesus just just do away like the the, the dumpster fire is, is is roaring like let's just let's just be let's just be done and, you know, built into all of that is a subconscious idea that you don't trust God to be able to redeem what you're watching play out. And it draws, even just talking about it now, draws my attention to Second Peter. Uh, I'm going to start in chapter 3 uh, and, and verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. All right. 
So, you know, I, I, I think what as if we are being honest with ourselves as humans, each one of us can can point to points where even if we are somebody who understands active relationship, we still can very earnestly understand that trust is something that gets tested, that gets tried, that gets uh, worn on, but ultimately strengthened and sharpened as well, fortified in its resilience, right? And so now let's fit back in to this situation, to this conversation, the corporate, right? We've talked about the individual. We've talked about how as individuals, we need to keep an active relationship, actively understanding that this trust piece is something that is fortified and and forged in the heat of battle, so to speak, right? And we've under and we've come to understand the parameters in which we are and which the world is is in, right? And so the question then becomes if we trust, how does that impact the way that we process this world, the way that we process people, the way that we deal with people? Because if we trust that God is good, God is all of those things, right? If we have been been given this faith and we are persuaded to the will of God, then we we this this is something that should bear evidence on our processing of how we interact with the world and that friends is where we get into the 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 active kingdom conversation of how we interact with people and that's going to be something that we cover but one of the things that stuck out that stood out to me in processing how all of this works how this how how god's authority being the highest authority how the holy spirit permeates and what the effect is of the kingdom of god let's turn for a second to matthew 13. Okay. And we are going to start off uh, right at the top. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. Take one second. Uh, if you didn't know this, there is an acoustical effect when you are speaking on water it'll carry the sound so there's that that's for those of you that didn't know that that is the picture of why we see jesus getting getting the boat acoustically it makes a lot more sense there were a lot of people etc etc okay uh and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. 
Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this person, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. That's that repentance. That's that turning away from the self, turning to God. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what, has, what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word but cares for the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful as for what was sown on good soil this is the one who hears the word and understands it he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold in another 60 and another 30 he put another parable before them, saying the kingdom of God may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. 
let both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time i will tell the reapers gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt but gather the wheat into my barn he put another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field it is the smallest of all seeds but when it was grown it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches he told them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like eleven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was le- till all was leaven all of these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now, I'm going to... Scott, if you're listening, thanks, brother. He's the one who, who got me thinking about this. But it got me thinking. Was Jesus getting them caught up in the process of wondering about the kingdom of God? Is this the process of learning how to trust Jesus? Because if if he just opens it up and says A plus B equals C, that's there's no trust. That's a mathematical formula. And this is a process of having to dig in and having to process and having to understand and really unpack and and restructure how you view things into this new mode of thinking and then baked into all of this you have these different uh examples of these these beautiful parables and beautiful truths right Faith the size of a mustard seed. Again, that's given to us. But it doesn't take very much. For those of you that know, mustard seeds are very small. But they grow into massive bushes. Massive trees. And you have portrayed this this leavening agent, right? This little bit. For those of you that bake, it just, just takes a little bit. And for them, it would have been more like sourdough. More like a like a, a, a made yeast. You don't, Obviously, you're not going to go and pick a, pull out a, a packet of yeast in the same way that we know it. So it would be, they would throw a little bit of that in and, and it would permeate in the, into the entire loaf. And, and by today's standards, we can pull out that, that packet of yeast and it just takes a little bit. And so, you know, it, it, and then you, you wait and it, it has an effect on the entire batch, Right. And so again, this little bit goes a long way and it ends up being something more to more of its surroundings, right? That's that same through line that you see with the bush for the birds and the leavening agent through the entire thing. And then you have the parable of the weeds. And it's this picture of, you know, you have your good wheat and then while the people were sleeping the enemy came and threw in weeds and the instinct for the servants was to go up and tear up the weeds right and the farmer is like no wait you'll damage the wheat 
wait until they're all fully bloomed. And just a little bit of a history lesson for you guys. There would have actually been a law in place at this time to stop this from happening. Because if you had a field of product and an enemy came through and put in a weed that would have likely either been Zenzania or Darnell that is very poisonous but looks almost identical to wheat un un until it passes a certain point. And so the idea is that you'd be contaminating somebody else's product, thus this other farmer's product would have been the only product and he could charge more those kinds of things he would be getting more of the money all of that kind of stuff and so this is something that would have been very relatable to this audience that's listening to this right and again that that instinct is for the people for the servants to 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 go and and start tearing apart the the field in order to find all of the weeds and you know to be honest this is this is the beauty of scripture because it, i i emphasize the fact that this is that this would have made sense to the audience that's listening to it but again there's nothing new under the sun and humans are going to human and we see the same kind of instinct even today i want to jump in i want to make sure that all of these falsehoods all of these things i got to make sure that everybody's on the same page i got to make sure now mind you i went the bridge too far before of thinking that anybody who is legalistic fell into this category no there is a bridge too far there's a specific group there is a this is a specific way of executing and way of thinking and so i'm not trying to use it as a catch-all but at the same token being honest and open about the fact that heresy hunting is a thing that we go so far into this idea of we have to protect, we have to um, stop the falsehoods that we become, that we start to, to go on a witch hunt. You know, we start to look for demons under every single corner and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, and we get to this point of neglecting individuals because we are too busy trying to be God's righteous right hand. And and that's where all of these things hit a through line and, and a nuance point and all of that. I, I brought up everything that I brought up in one conversation to say that there is a little bit of a lot that goes into this. There's trust. There's faith. There's executing on those things. So it's not works for the sake of doing works. But again, to use that football analogy, if I want to play football, then I need to go to football practice. If I want to compete in a powerlifting meet, then I need to lift. If that is the thing, then I need to do these things that lead to that thing. And that is, it's just, it's a part of it. It's a package deal. It's that it's this same kind of thing. We talk about this faith piece. We talk about righteousness, but the Bible also talks about works. It talks about the 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 intersection of all of these things. 
but you notice that any one of the Baskin Robbins level flavors, right? Any of the customizable options, they all come with emphasizing something outside of God. I heard it once said that if you, if if we could have stayed on peace with Commandment One, then the rest of them would have fallen into place. But the things fell off because we couldn't we couldn't hold fast to Commandment Number One. And it's interesting, right? It's an interesting thing to think about because you think about the human psyche and how we how we we emphasize certain things because that's what we're comfortable with. And, and we see that that has an impact on the world around us, on us, ripple effects, of how we deal with people, how we, how we work within people. I don't just mean dealing with people that are friends, that are colleagues, that are, you know, anybody. This is multi-layered on, on the people and the, the situations and all of that kind of stuff that when, when God's authority is the highest authority, it needs to that that it will this is non-negotiable it will bear proof text and when there's no proof text then that's suggestive that's fruit of the spirit so as we continue unpacking life in the kingdom and what this looks like it's never about taking any of the emphasis away from god no as a matter of fact it's about giving him full reign and for me, and I understand that different people can get to this same idea of an immersive relationship and all of those kinds of things and not really sit in the wonder of it all. But, and this is just me speaking, I will never understand how you can separate wonder from this. Because from my vantage point, this is this makes sense this whole idea of the the idea of a divine the idea of the spiritual all, all of that the creator model all of this is what makes sense and then and then to understand that through the lens of that god once wants to wants to have relationship with me and the door is open for me to know him and know him deeply i sit back and wonder of that that is a beautiful thing and it's that individual relationship that fosters the appreciation and and positioning of going forward and making disciples who can make disciples. Going forward and loving on the orphan and the widow. Going forward and showing grace and mercy and love and all of that kind of stuff. And then and, and we factor in this idea that we understand that our feelings, they fluctuate all the time. But that, that confidence piece is so important that trust piece is so important that faith piece is so important because everything else is shifting sand because the move the goalpost moves on our feelings on a regular basis it's god that does not move he meets us but he is unwavering he does not move in the same way our emotions move and that 
that is what we can put confidence in that that we don't have to be subject to our to our the whims of our feelings or our compulsions or different things like that that we do not that 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 renewing of the mind is reorienting away from the self and and into the mind of christ to be able to process how he processes so whether or not you are uh, uh, across the world or a parent here in america or somewhere in between or something entirely different or if you're in your 90s hello to you all you are all prayed for you are all loved deeply and you all get to have the same exact confidence and we are all part of the same kingdom the same connective body connected body through the same connective tissue the holy spirit he is the one that weaves us all together into this beautiful and unique tapestry of different faces different personalities different takes all of this kind of stuff different different things that interest us in ways of unpacking the minor notes all through the the lens of theology prime and that is where trust factors into all of this and we and and that's how we can understand that as we trust our confidence grows as our confidence grows we how how we interact with the world changes shape and takes shape and trusting him helps us to understand that we don't need to ride in in victorious fashion to slay whatever heretical dragon has popped up stand for truth stand for truth but hunting is something entirely different and so i leave you all this week with this idea that um taste and see that the lord is good understand that yeah there is a step of faith that needs to take place but it is a step into the arms of god that he has us even in the midst of whatever it looks like regardless of situationalism god has us and and understanding that at a corporate level changes everything because suddenly we're part of the same team suddenly we're not working in opposition to one another or despite one another we are working together and our heart is for each other for more of jesus to be formed in each one of us every single day until next week i love you guys go in peace